1 Corinthians chapter 9. And turn to the end of the chapter. And just give me your attention, please. I'm sure that you know that the scriptures have many images and metaphors of the children of God. It describes them in so many different ways. Let me give you a couple of them. Sometimes we're likened unto sheep in a flock. Because the Lord Jesus himself said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The eastern shepherd went in front of the sheep. Then Peter talks about us being stones in the building. Ye lively stones built up into a spiritual house. And Peter again talks about us being strangers and pilgrims on a journey. And that's what we are. We're pilgrims and strangers uh, on a journey home to heaven. Then, of course, Paul talks about us being soldiers in the fight. We're into your hardness as a good soldier. But here in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24, Paul gives us the image of the people of God as sprinters in a race. And that's what we're after tonight, if we read verse 24 to 27. He says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the master is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, he's speaking about himself now, not as uncertainties, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, salt should be a castaway. You see, the Apostle Paul used a lot of sporting metaphors. And there's two of them in these verses that we read. The sprinters in a race and boxers in a ring in verse 26. Now, our study tonight is to do with this incorruptible crown that's there waiting for us if we earn it in the heaven, but we have to run the race well in order order to get it. The ancient Greeks were known for their academical ability. The Greeks were known for their wisdom and for their understanding and for their learning and knowledge. But they were also known for their, for the, for their athletical ability. They were great sportsmen, the Greek and Greeks people, and, and, and they still are. In fact, it was them that invented uh, the Olympic Games. That's where the Olympic Games come from. It come from Corinth. And every five years in Corinth, they had the Olympic Games. And the end of various races and things that took part in, they distributed crowns. Some of them, some of the crowns were for wrestling, some were for boxing, some were for horse racing, some were for jazz and so 
But the most popular one was the roadways. The roadways. And that's the one that's connected with this crowd here uh, tonight. And winners uh, who won the roadways received a laurel crown in the shape of a wreath with pine branches weaved through it. And after the races were over, there was a five-day event. It was five years, every five years. But then there was a five-day event uh, right through the whole of the, of the Games. And after those five days were over, they marched in a procession through the city of Corinth and stood before the judges. Now, everything came to a standstill. History tells us that the works closed and industry closed and schools closed. And it was a mighty, mighty day, the day, the days whenever these um, crowns were, were, were given out. And the people pro marched and had a procession through the city and they came to the, uh, to the judge's stand, the podium. It was an elevated thing outside the city and thousands and thousands gathered. That podium, that stand, that place where the accolades were given is known as the Bema. And Paul uses it in two scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5 and Romans 14. And he's referring to it here, of course, and in other scriptures. And uh, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for every deed done in the body. Twice he talks about this Bema, this uh, podium, this place where we're coming and he's using these illustrations here because people knew what these illustrations were about. It was there that when they came to the end of that race and when all was over it was there uh, they knew whether the race was well won well run, or the work was well done and the crown well won. Now I want to take my mother's vicar out tonight and I want to rub that in for I want you to get a hold of this. There's a, there's a race to be well run. There's a work to be well done. And there's a crown to be well won. Now Peter talks about uh, these crowns and he talks about the incorruptible crown. And that's what this is tonight here. It's a crown that will never fade away. It'll not be like the laurel leaves. It's an incorruptible crown and that's beyond the reach of sin. You see, anything man puts his hand to, he contaminates it. Men are sinners and we're sinners. And anything we fiddle and tinker with, we make a mess of. But this is an incorruptible and it's beyond the reach of sin. And then Peter says it's undefiled. That is, it's beyond the reach of man. Man defiles most things he handles and touches. And so it's beyond the reach of sin, undefiled, beyond the reach of man. That fadeth not away and beyond the reach of time. This is an eternal crown that God's given to his people and to his children who run the race well and who deserve it and who will be rewarded with it and who will receive it. Now before we go on, I want to say that Paul's only contrasting and illustrating and comparing these two situations. He's comparing a heavenly situation with a worldly situation in Corinth, an ungodly, there was a lot of ungodly stuff went on at these years, but he's only comparing, he's comparing these two things. You see, our race is not a game. 
And we need to remember that, that the race that we are on for heaven is not a game. It's not entertainment. It's for real. It's not for the lazy and for the indolent. It's for those who stand firm and those who go forward for God. The judges will not, the rewards that we will get will not be laurel crowns and will not be crowned by men, will be crowned by the judge of all the earth who will do right. And they'll not be laurel crowns, they'll be golden crowns that fadeth not away. Only one could win this crown, but all believers can win the crowns that we're talking about here tonight. But let me say this, and this is very important. You had to have pure Greek blood flowing through your veins in order to enter for or to win this incorruptible crown. The critique was, and a lot of research, and uh, they were thoroughly researched so that every competitor had, was of Greek origin with Greek blood flowing in the vein. There'd be no use in an Arab applying for it. And there'd be no use in a Jew or be no use in an Italian or a Turk. There had to be there had to be Greeks. Whosoever will may join the race that I'm on. But that was the restrictions laid down here. Not born of blood, we're born of Christ. We are born of God, not by flesh, not by the blood of men, but by God. My crown, when I get to the glory, will be a crown of pure gold. It will not be of laurel leaves that perish it. It will not be given out to me by a man. It will not be won because because I'm a Gentile or because I'm a Jew or because I'm a Greek. It will be won because I'm born again by the Spirit of God and I'm on my way to heaven. And if you're born again by the Spirit of God, and I know many listen to these broadcast, these messages, if you're born again by the Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed you for all sin, you can be a competitor in this race. But if you're not, you can't. Just the same as, just, just as simple as that. You're not a citizen bound for heaven tonight if you're not saved. You're not heading towards a crown tonight if you're not saved. You're not heading towards this throne tonight, but you're heading towards another throne, the great white throne that comes later on. And whosoever name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You're bound, sinner, I say to you tonight, listen to me, you're bound to another place, and you're heading as hard as you can. In fact, you're racing and running to it as hard as you can. And you'll soon be in it if you don't repent and turn. So we have to compare these. Um scriptures and keep them in, in this context. Now, there's two things, and this is where a wee bit of teaching is needed tonight. There are two things in these verses that encapsulates the whole business of this running and this crown. And in verse 27, I want you to look very carefully at verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into <clears throat> subjection. There's the first word, subjection. Now, the next word is up, up a wee bit in verse 25, and it's every man that striveth. There's a striving. Those two words are the two words that get to the root of this race that you and I are on tonight for the glory. And it is a race. It's not a race compa- competing with one another. 
It's like keeping an eye fixed on the glory and fixed on the crown and not getting it. This one thing I do, Paul says, pressing on towards the mark. Many's a sprinter, many's a man has lost out in the last couple of fractions of a second. He's lost out because he just fancied was diverted. We must keep facing this goal that God has called us called us to go to. So there's the word subjection and there's the word striving. If we can tease out these words a wee bit, we'll be able to understand better what we're talking about tonight. The word subjection is the word doulos. It's the Greek word for slave. One who is a bond servant. One who is completely surrendered and sold out to the master. It's the same word, now listen to what I'm going to say. It is the same word used for the Lord Jesus Christ in Philippines. He made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a slave. That's the same word, a servant. And made himself in the likeness of man, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And then it says, wherefore, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and give him a name above every name. Before he could go to the throne, he had to go down. You see, there's a wee, there's a wee verse, uh, scripture, and it's not quoted right, and it's not quoted very often. It's when Simeon took the Lord Jesus Christ in his arms when he was eight days old, when he went to the temple to be circumcised. Remember that? And Simeon made this powerful prophecy, regarding the Savior in his arms. He says, this child, this child, was made for the, for, the, for the falling and the rising of many. He had to go down first before he come up. You see, boys want to get the crowns, but they don't want the cross. This child, this, this child, this is what, this child, he says, is for the falling again and for the rising of many. And so he had to go down first. He had to go down into the gutter. He had to go down into sin. He had to go down into the depth of hell. He had to go down as low as any man could go. He had to come down to a slave, a servant, before he could rise up. And that's the same way with us. Unless we're prepared to humble ourselves and subject ourselves as born servants and born slaves to the Lord, we'll never rise up in any victory or any power. We have to go down before we come up. There has to be brokenness. There has to be confession. Before we start to rise, and repentance. That's what's wrong today, no repentance. And then we can, we can climb up, we can begin to rise up into the victory and the blessing that God, that God has for us. The athletic body must be kept in subjection. That is in control. And runners who were in this race had to watch everything to do with their physique, their lusts, their food, their work habits, all their appetites. All their appetites. Do you know that there were 10 weeks of very strenuous training for this road race? 10 weeks. And those 10 weeks were extensively supervised by others to make sure that the people trained. And for 10 long weeks, they went for nothing, only for this crowd. And do you know how long this road race lasted? Ten minutes. So there was ten months for ten minutes. You see, time had a lot to do with it. 
And you, I tell you, those 10 minutes, everything that they could put into it, you know by looking at these games, everything that they could put into it, put into it, is 10 minutes. I tell you, friend, our time is short. And the time that we have to finish this race is not going to be very long. They had to submit and subject themselves to time. Those 10 months had to be taken up with nothing else. They had to prepare themselves for this final pitch. You see, that was Paul's fear in the last verse. See the last verse? But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should come a castaway or be disqualified at the last minute from the race. Boy, if Paul talked like that, why should I not be talking like that? If the great apostle Paul says, I have to keep in subjection for I may go down at the last hurdle, God bless us. What about you and what about me? My Demas went down at the last hurdle. Why, he's a right well with Paul, you know. Demas has forsaken me. He didn't finish. It's all right, start. It's not how we start, it's how we finish. See, I have over 33 years here. People have come here and they've gone, and people have come and gone. And glad every, I pray for most of them. I remember them every day, whether they've come or whether they've gone, or whether they're left in bad humor or not. I still pray for them. But, you know, people come and have a powerful gust. Oh, boy, you see them getting saved and their ma. Boy, the terror and the, the blessing that they've been, some of them. I don't know where some of them are tonight. You see, it's keeping going, it's keeping on. Keeping her eyes on the crown and her eyes on the goal and her eyes on the Lord. It's keeping going. Oh, it's all right going in the flurry and in the fussing when everything's going well. And there's plenty of meetings and people coming and God's blessing. Oh, it's great. But it's finishing the course. Which I can tell you is not easy. King Saul started well, filled with the Holy Ghost. Head and shoulders above every man. But he ended badly. He ended thinking about the witches. Time doesn't talk me to talk to you about Solomon and Samson and others. And many mighty men in Northern Ireland that I have known, some of them I have known in the way before my time, who started well and were mighty for God and ended badly. Doesn't take much to divert us now. Doesn't take much to catch our eye. Doesn't make it take much to get our eyes off the goal. There's a plethora of things comes into our lives and our families and our homes that will hinder us and hinders us in this moving on for God. Now the second word is the word strive here and this is the word wait for it. It's the word agonize. Striveth. That's hard work. That's the very same word used in Gethsemane of our Lord Jesus. Now these two words were used by the Lord Jesus. So I want you to think about that tonight, just that those two words, those two qualifications for winning the race were qualifications that the Lord Jesus Christ had. And they were not pleasant ones. We have to follow the Lord and we have to go after him and we have to do what he says and we have to be disciples and we have to, you see, it's all right coming to the cross. We come to the cross and get saved and that's great and praise God we do. 
with getting on the cross is a different matter. You see? Oh, yes, oh, I'm saved, sure. <laughs> but it's a different matter when you die. When you're prepared to die. What men think, what people think, what others think. This word here is the word agonize. It says in Gethsemane, and being in agony, and we'll be there next Thursday, we're not here on Thursday, but we're here next Thursday, I would preach on this. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. He contested and he struggled and he fought and he labored in conflict. That's what that word means. Oh, Gethsemane was an awful place. And he had to agonize. And friends, we, these, these men in these Olympic games, run, they had to agonize. I tell you, you wouldn't have, you'd have got near them boys when they're coming near the goalpost, you wouldn't have distracted them. Their eyes in the goal and the sweat was running them and their muscles was bulging and their neck was bulging and they're heading for the race. Agonizing. And so it's not an easy path. It's not easy one, these crowns. And they're not going to be thrown out willy-nilly to anybody. We're not going to be do you think that Demas is going to get the same crown as Paul? Do you think that Noah that Lot will get the same crown as Noah? And he got in with the smell of smoke of him. Who oh, no. God's the righteous judge. And our gifts, your gift and my gift. We need to look after that gift and we need to say, Lord, am I utilizing this gift? Because you'll not have to give an account for my gift. It'll be big enough for me to do it. But you will have to give account for your own. Now, I want you to turn to Hebrews 12 and just one turn tonight. We're not going to be long tonight. We're going to make this point for this crown. And we'll be over before nine o'clock and we'll go to prayer. Because I could say plenty upon agonizing and striving and laboring and the battles that go on in home and the battles that go on in families. And times is easy and times is not easy and times we feel like giving up and times we go on. It's just all, that's right. And God knows that. He knows all about it. You can't always be, you know, you can't always be out front. And God knows don't, don't compare. Be careful whenever you're doing metaphors and things in the Bible. That you, they're only illustrations for us. That's only illustrations for us. But we need to get a hold of the illustration. If you look at Hebrews chapter 12 now, we, the best way you can explain uh, the, to describe something is let the Scripture describe it. Let, it, let the Scripture explain it. So I could be all night talking about and giving bits and this. And, uh, you would be confused when you leave. But look at chapter 12. Now, we have the same thing here. Uh, I don't believe there should be a division here. In many chapters, I don't believe there should be a division. For in chapter 12, it says, wherefore. So what the, the writer to the Hebrews here is talking about the ch chapter 11, the great gallery of faithful men and women. And if you go through them, you'll get... 20 and more. That's only name, but there's hundreds. 
Remember, there was Noah and Enoch and Abram and Isaac and the woman from Sarafat who were on a Sunday night. She's in here, you know, woman that saw their dead raised, their children raised from the dead. She'll be there. She says, she's a woman of faith. And you see, what he's saying here is there's a, there's a cloud of witnesses. Now, I couldn't describe that. When they talk about clouds in the, in the scripture time, sometimes it talks about not just ordinary clouds, it talks about people. Jesus was coming in the clouds. That doesn't mean the clouds of the air. In case you think it does, it doesn't. He's going to come with a great cloud of witnesses. It's often referred to people. And there'll be a multitude when he comes to reign of his people with him. Now, here, there's a great cloud of witnesses. What are they doing? Well, some of the writers are very bold in this, and they say, what these great cloud of witnesses, these men and women, mighty men and women of faith, who got into Hebrews 11, they're, they're, they're cheering us on. Now, I don't know how far you can take that, because I don't think those in heaven are cheering us on can see what we're doing here. But I understand what they mean. They're cheerleaders. These whole cloud of mighty men and women who battled through the past and Noah who saw and, and Enoch who saw God and, and Abraham and Sarah and these, these men, they're all cheering and they're all, keep going! Keep going! We've won it, you can win it. Now you can take that with a pinch of salt if you like. But the writer to the Hebrews saying, a great cloud of witnesses watching a gallery. Some people called it the, 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 the gallery of faithful believers. These men and women of faith who saw dead children raised, who stopped the mouths of lions, who quenched the fires. These mighty men and women of God that has got this whole chapter 11 unto themselves. Why do you think he brought this verse, these two verses we're going to spend a wee minute at now? How do you think he brought it in there for? Chapter 12 follows chapter 11 and the Holy Spirit is telling, trying to tell us, listen, now you watch the verse. Wherefore? Seeing. And if you read chapter 11 and go through, and you should read it and not take out every name out of it and pray through it. And keep praying through it. One of the greatest chapters in the Bible. There's nothing to encourage you more to go on with the Lord. Than, than Bible characters. Wherefore seeing, we also are compassed about, we are, we are, you and I. We are compassed about. Yes, they're all around us, these people in this Hebrews 11, with so great a cloud of witness. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now just let that sink in. Take courage. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, they've done it. You can do it. And it was there for them, and it's there for you. There's a crown to be won. There's a crown to be reached out for. Now, what he's saying here, and I have written these headings down, he's saying, 
Look back at the witnesses. Now watch this. And look in at the weights. Can you see the weights? Let us lay aside every weight. So he's looking back. He has us looking back to these massive crowd of witnesses. But he says, look into the weight. And the sin. Now the, the, the word, the sin. There's a sin here. It's not a sin. It's the sin. And if you mark your Bible, you put a ring round that. What sin would they be talking about? Come on now. If I was a school teacher and I had you in the class and I had you up and I'd ask you to go, tell me now, what, what sin is he talking about here? The sin. The sin of unbelief. Oh, damnable sin. The lack of faith. Lack of faith. You go through these men and women of faith. I tell you, you do that. It'll be the richest study that you've ever done in the Word of God if you take a pen and take every name and take every action of this man and go back into the Old Testament and women and find out the Scriptures. You'll have... You, you, you have fuel for your fire, let me tell you. Well, what was it? Well, I was reading this and I stood and I thought to myself, well, why, why was this? There should be no head in the end. Why were you continuing this on? Wherefore? Wherefore? The sin. Sin of unbelief. And there's nothing, my friend, will hinder us more along the road. That weight and sin. That so easily does beset us. And weights and sins are different things, but they can be the same thing. Now these people that were running this race had no weight. Weights, they had no weight. Somebody I heard about about going to the doctor and he says, I'm in awful trouble with my back. He says, the trouble's not with your back, it's at your front. That's where the trouble Well, there'd be no use putting a boy like that in to run this race. <laughs> Nor me either. I can hardly get up the lane. There'd be no use me going into this race. But these people had to lay aside every, every weight. Whatever it is would hold them back. And you know what holds you back. And I know what holds me back. And what holds us back, we have to fight against it. We have to discipline ourselves. This whole thing's about disciplined life. And we're not good at it. Jesus says on the, when he's talking about his coming, beware of surfeiting. Not surfeiting. Not, not, not surfing. Oh, a lot of God's people may surfing. Surfeiting. Overeating. Do you know that he brings that in in relation to his coming back again? He says that's what you'll find. And why we have all problems with that. Uh-huh. But these people for these 10 days weren't overeating, let me tell you. These people for these 10 days were serious about this thing for they wanted the crown. There's only one was going to get it. And the sin. Throw off the weights tonight. Tell me, I'll tell you this. The old iPad can be a weight. 
old Google box can be a weight. The old ticking, ticking, ticking up the phone can be a weight to hold you back. And you know what would hold you back from the prayer meeting, and you know what holds you back from the from the quiet time and from the family altar and no, you know what it holds you back. Something, 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 something. You know, I don't know what it might be. But we have to lay aside every weight. And only you know and I know what my weights are. Every weight and the sin, the sin of unbelief. Boy, Hebrews, you know Hebrews is full of, I don't know how many times you get the word let us in Hebrews. Let us run with race, with patience the race. And patience is very important too. And let me tell you, just because it's only just because it's only ten minutes, that could be where the most patience needs. Not in the long journey. Patience, and we could take a night on patience, but I'm not bothered. I'd only expose myself to it. Patience. But the sin of unbelief was the sin that damned the children of Israel time and time again. Do you remember when they came to Kadesh Barnea and the, and the spies went over and they come back and they said, there's a good land and it's flowing with milk and honey and granites and all sorts of pomegranates and all sorts of... It's a great land, but there's giants in the land. And old Tenen says, no, oh, we can't go over the giants. Oh, no. And two stood up, ten of them. The other one, and they stood up and they said, we can well take it. Gosh, we can take the land. Old Caleb, is the, what, what age? He was 80-something. He said, give me this mountain. We can take this mountain. You see, they had their eyes on the giants and they had their eyes on the, on the trouble that they had their eyes on God. The two had their eyes on God. We can do it. But they didn't and they didn't let them go over and they didn't go over. And for 40 years they wandered at Cadiz Barnea. Funeral after funeral after funeral. Day after day. Year after year till they're all gone. But the young generation. And they missed it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Go over now. Go in now. When the time is right. And because of unbelief and the hardness of their heart, they didn't get over. And they perished in the wilderness. After all God done for them. He gave them the manna from heaven every day for 40 years. He sent the quails in from the sea to feed them. Miracle after miracle. He took a rock and the water gushed out for 40 years out of the rock. As they went, it followed them. And there was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And oh, God was so good to them. And then they started to grumble and they started to murmur. We can't go on. Am I speaking to somebody tonight and you're getting it tight? Are you? You did run well. But what hindered you? What hinders you? Hmm? I don't know. But something has got a hold to your back of your garment and it's pulling you back and it's pulling you down. 
You need to get rid of it. And if you need prayer, come up afterwards and we'll pray. You need deliverance. You need the enemy to let go of that hold that he has on you, man. And you need to get back into the race. For there's a race to be run. There's a work to be done. And there's a crown to be won. Now watch this again as we come to a close. Look back at the witnesses. Look in at the weights. Verse 2. Look up to the winner. Looking on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, I tell you, that was before the cross. There was no joy at the cross. Striving, agony, pain. But for the joy that was set before him, after the cross, after Gethsemane, after Gabbatha, after Golgotha. He endured the cross, despised the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Finished. Race finished. Race run. Well run. Never turn back. There's no reverse gear as far as my Savior was concerned. He pressed on, like Paul, pressing on towards that mark, that prize, that goal, that crown. I'm coming home and I'm going to receive it. It's there for me. Boy, it'll be an awful thing, my friend, when we get to the glory and somebody else is wearing it. Because Jesus says, let no man take your crown. What kept these men going? Even when you go back to Abram, they could see a city. That they could see what they were going. They could see Christ. Moses, he could see Christ. These men could see what they were running for. Can you see what you're running for tonight, what you're living for tonight, what you're agonizing for tonight, and you're strenuous over tonight, and what's battling you tonight? And it is a battle with the family, and a battle with the children, and a battle with the health, and a battle a thousand ways. But I tell you, friend, we get a rise on the city where there's no more sin, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more death. Don't you lose the sight. Don't you lose sight, my friend. Don't you lose. Keep your eye on the mansion. Keep your eye on the master. Don't you for one moment don't believe that you're not going to see your mother and you're not going to see your son and you're not going to see your father. Don't let the devil tell you lies. Don't, tell, don't let the devil tell you that there's no streets of gold or jasper walls where eternity is for eternity and the Lamb shall be the light thereof. Oh, I tell you, I, the older I get, the more I'm looking forward to going home more I'm looking for. There's hardly a day but I don't think of heaven. I don't want anybody to hold me back. Old Martin Lloyd-Jones says when he was dying, the daughter got down Lady Cather, would she go down beside him and she says, Lord, 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 spare daddy. And he stopped her. He says, spare nothing. He says, don't be praying to keep me back from the glory. 
and you're looking forward to the glory. I, I'm surprised that these boys are all talking about. You know what a boy in Fermanagh said one time? He said, see all you Christians. He says, you all want to get to heaven. You all want to be the streets paved with gold and the mansion and the sky and all. He said, well, he said, I tell you how you could get there. Quit taking the tablets. He says, you'll be there in a couple of days. <laughs> we all want to get to the glory. Oh, but what the tablets do? We all want to get to the glory. We want to be with the Lord. Oh, boy. But you know, I believe that if we were living the way these people lived, and if I believe that we live in the way Paul and Peter, lived, and every one of them were bond slaves, as they named themselves, bond servants of Christ. And every one of them rose up to the glory, and I believe that every one of them was looking forward to the glory. And I know that we need people to pray for us when we get sick and all that sort of thing, but boy, 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 are we looking for the glory? Are we looking for the Savior? Are we looking to put off this old vile body and have a body like unto his glorious body? For it's going to be like that and there's going to be mansions and there's going to be streets of gold and there's going to be blessing and we're going to see our loved ones and they're going to sing hallelujah throughout the counts of the ages of eternity. Oh God help us. Don't hold us back from it. Don't hold us back. Let us, let us go on. For he endured the cross. He goes on here to tell us in Hebrews that we, are, we never suffered under blood. We have, we have never suffered remonstrated under blood like these people. We have never been battled like these Hebrews 11 battled. Boy, I tell you, that sewed them, sewed them up in, 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 in skins and let lions loose on them. Mighty, mighty men that stood Faith. He says, we're compassed about with that great crowd of witness. You take heed from them. And let us go on to this crown, incorruptible, that fades not away. There's one crown left. And we'll bring it before you next week if you come. God bless you.